Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. We're your hosts, Michael Minkoff and... Justin Rusty Hein. <laughs> At Renew the Arts, our mission is to liberate Christian creativity. And in the last four years, we've given away more than $200,000 in sponsorship value to artists who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to join with us in supporting those sponsored projects and this podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to find out more. What are we talking about today, Michael? Well, today we're going to talk about Marty Sampson and uh, John Cooper and celebrity Christianity and the apparent wave of apostasy that's crashing against the Western church and all the rest of that business. Mm-hmm. And um, But before we do that, some people may not know what's been going on. So this has been happening, kind of blowing up over the past week or two. And I'm just going to read some of these things. Um, I'm not going to frame them very much right now because we're going to be discussing them after. But... Um, Basically, what happened is I think August 12th, Marty Sampson posted this to his Instagram. And th- this is what he posted. I'm just going to read it as it is. He's since deleted it, but we, you know, the internet. So, um, Marty Sampson. And so, Marty Sampson is from Hillsong, and he's done some songs for Delirious. And he's he's a, a fairly well-known Australian singer-songwriter who wrote a bunch of praise and worship songs. And a lot of them we sing. In fact, I think some of them maybe people know. Do you know any of them? Hillsong songs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't know. I like if you played them, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Okay. But they play them in all the contemporary Christian churches. Right. Okay, so he writes, Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world, it's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love, yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I am not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall. The sun will come up tomorrow. So as you can imagine, after he released that to his 4,000 followers on Instagram, there was a little bit of a, you know, response. <laughs> and uh, there were news articles. And in fact, there was a news article on the Christian Post that came out pretty soon right after he posted his in- Instagram uh, post. And he actually wrote a comment on that post. Okay. Yeah. What, 
and so this is what he read. And so this is this is this was his clarification. This is what was also every time he said something, other people would say something. He'd say something in response, and then there was this this big like ball. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's hard to to untangle it sometimes. But here's his clarification. So for people who thought, because a lot of people just immediately ran with stories like Marty Sampson loses his faith, Marty Sampson, another in a long line of people losing their faith, et cetera, et cetera, because Josh Harris had just uh, deconverted. Right, that's the one that really affected me the most. Right. Because uh, I went to a Sovereign Grace church for a long time in Orlando. Right. Um, so Joshua Harris was kind of one of the founders of the Sovereign Grace Church Network. and. And I mean, like when you think about him being a pastor, somebody who has gone to school and knows the Bible, mm-hmm. I don't know how well Marty Sampson knew the Bible. I, I mean, I assume that he read his Bible, uh, but I, I don't know if he was like had gone through the institutional education system. and Probably and, not. We're going to discuss that later. Yeah. Um, but Marty Sampson wrote a comment on the Christian Post article to clarify for people. And there's also comments in response to his comments, and some of them are not fun. So this is what he wrote. Interesting to read an article about yourself, which I imagine it probably is. Uh, What can I say? I am struggling with many parts of the belief system that seem so incoherent with common human morality. If most of humankind had a choice, would we not rid the world of the scourge of cancer or sickness and disease? So why doesn't God do such a thing? Of course, there is an answer to this question, but the majority of a typical Christian's life is not spent considering these things. Questions such as these remain in the too-hard basket. I wouldn't say I have renounced my faith, but I would say it's on incredibly shaky ground. I have and continue to analyze the arguments of prominent Christian apologists and biblical scholars and am open-minded enough to consider the arguments of atheist debaters and debaters from other religions. If the truth is true, it will remain so regardless of my understanding of it. If I search it out, surely it will become even more clearly seen as the truth that it is. Examining a diamond more closer reveals the quality of the diamond. As I am still breathing, I am still learning. My thoughts are my own and do not represent any church. If anything, all I have ever received from Hillsong is support and the opportunity to follow my own mind, and they have always taught what I perceive to be sound Pentecostal doctrine. You cannot have well-educated opinions without educating yourself well. This is a window into my thought process at the present time. Hmm. So that that's where he's at. Um and a lot of people immediately started questioning his motives. There were Babylon B articles that basically, I mean, I think the headline was something along the lines of Marty Sampson no longer needs the faith now that he already has fame and money or something like that. Oh, yikes. Uh, yep. Yeah. And um, so a lot of people were reading it like that. Um, Which isn't helpful. No, I mean, it's, it's like... not. It's not. Anyway, so it continues from there because I don't even think Marty Sampson's post in itself would have had the viral impact if there hadn't been so much response to it. And um, so John Cooper, who is the lead singer of Skillet, um, which, you know, I don't keep up with the, I I didn't know Marty Sampson's name, to be honest. I knew Hillsong, I knew the name Hillsong, but I didn't know who Marty Sampson was before this whole thing Mm -hmm. happened. Um, And I've heard of Skillet, but I didn't know John Cooper's name either. Yeah, me neither. But here's here's another guy, uh, you know, famous art artist 
Christian musician dude mm-hmm. who's uh, who's got a different take. So John Cooper wrote a very long post on Facebook that ended up being shared, I think, 40,000 times. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's viral. Yeah, 40,000. I mean, I'd like to have my posts yeah. shared 40,000 times. So a lot of people resonated with what he said. He didn't mention Samson by name, but it's pretty obvious that it was in response to the Samson business. And um, so this is what he wrote, which I also think is important because I actually think a lot of what he wrote is part of, in the mix of the whole problem that has to be discussed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read this. Um, this is John Cooper's uh, Facebook post. Okay, I'm saying it because it's too important not to. What is happening in Christianity? Which was the title of his post. More and more of our outspoken leaders or influencers who were once faces of the faith are falling away, and at the same time they are being very vocal and bold about it. Shockingly, they still want to influence others for what purpose, as they announce that they are leaving the faith. I'll state my conclusion, then I'll state some rebuttals to statements I've read by some of them. Firstly, I never judge people outside of my faith, even if they hate religion or Christianity. That's not my place, and I have many friends who disagree with me with my religion, and that is 100% fine with me. However, when it comes to people within my faith, there must be a measure of loyalty and friendship and accountability to each other and the Word of God. My conclusion for the church, all of us Christians, we must stop, in all caps, making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, That includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years, and seemed probably quite judgmental to some of my peers, that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the Word. I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends, many who would agree with me, in saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotion and feeling. We create a moment and a vehicle for God to speak. However, singers are not always the best people to write solid Bible truth and doctrine. Sometimes we are too young, too ignorant of Scripture, too unaware, or too unconcerned about the purity of Scripture and the holiness of the God we are singing to. Have you ever considered the disrespect of singing songs to God that are untrue of His character? I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals to statements made by recently disavowed church influencers. First of all, I am stunned that the seemingly most important thing for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make such a bold new stance. Basically saying, I've been living and preaching boldly something for 20 years and led generations of people with my teachings, and now I no longer believe it, therefore I'm going to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong, while I boldly and loudly lead people into my next truth. I'm perplexed why they aren't embarrassed, humbled, ashamed, fearful, confused. Why be so eager to continue leading people when you clearly don't know where you are headed? My second thought is, why do people act like, quote-unquote, being real covers a multitude of sins, as if someone is courageous simply for sharing virally every thought or dark place? That's not courageous, it's cavalier. 
Have they considered the ramifications as if they are the harbingers of truth, saying, I used to think one way and practice it and preach it, but now I've learned all the new truth and will start practicing and preaching it. So the influencers become the voice for truth in whatever stage of life and whatever evolution takes place in their thinking. Thirdly, there's a common thread running through these leaders' influencers that basically says that no one else is talking about the real stuff. This is just flatly false. I just read today in a renowned worship leader's statement, how could a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it. As if he is the first person to ask this? Brother, you are not that unique. The church has wrestled with this for 1,500 years, literally. Everybody talks about it. Children talk about it in Sunday school. There's like a billion books written on the topic. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it. We wrestle with scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And lastly, and most shocking, in my opinion, as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight, new truth that is basically a regurgitation of Jesus' words. It's truly bizarre and ironic. They'll say, I'm disavowing my faith, but remember, love people, be generous, forgive others. Um, why? That is exactly, or that is actually not human nature. No child is ever born and says, I just want to love others before loving myself. I want to turn the other cheek. I want to give my money away to others in need. Those are Bible principles taught by a prophet, priest, king of kings, who wants us to live by a higher standard, which is not an earthly standard, but rather the kingdom of God standard. Therefore, if Jesus is not the truth, and if the word of God is not absolute, then by preaching Jesus' teachings, you are endorsing the words of a madman. A lunatic who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also said that he was alive before Abraham, and to see him was to see God because he was one with God. So why then would a disavowed Christian leader promote that generosity is good? How would you know what is good without Jesus' teachings? And will your ideas of what is good be different from year to year based on your experience, culture trends, popular opinion, etc.? And furthermore, will you continue year by year to lead others into your idea of goodness, even though it is not absolute? I'm amazed that so many Christians want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but with the caveat that they themselves will be the king. It is time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion. And what we are seeing now is the result of the church raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, who have led a generation who also did not believe in the supremacy of truth, and now those disavowed leaders are proudly still leading and influencing boldly away from the truth. Is it any wonder that some of our disavowed Christian leaders are letting go of the absolute truth of the Bible and subsequently let their lives are falling apart? Further and further they are sinking in the sea, all the while shouting, Now I've found the truth! Follow me! Brothers and sisters in the faith all around the world, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, influencers, I implore you, please, please, in your search for relevancy for the gospel, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our culture by stifling inconvenient truths, but rather let us hold on even tighter to the anchor of the living word of God, for he changes not. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our God stands forever. So that was a long post. And uh, it, it went viral. Like People really loved it, and a lot of people shared it. And we'll talk about it in a second. I have like some major fundamental issues with it. Um, but before we do that, let me read how Samson responded to it. 
Yeah. So, so Marty Sampson responded to John Cooper, actually on John Cooper's Instagram. And he responded three times of sorts, but I'll just read them in order. So he said, wow, where do I begin? What right have you to put words in my mouth? Because John Cooper, you know, put a bunch of things in quotes as if those were things that he said. I wouldn't presume to put words in yours. To think that I am trying to influence others without even asking me if that is my intention is offensive. Did I write an article on myself in Relevant Magazine or a Christian Post quoting myself? Do I need this kind of criticism in an honest examination of what I believe from complete strangers? I've never even met you, yet you presume to know me or people like me? I only ever posted about this to explain to people, 4,000 followers on Insta, I may add, where I was at in an honest and genuine way, not to influence them and their beliefs. Not to draw attention to myself, not to have a voice, to wrestle and to learn and to grow and to present my current state of mind, heart, to explain to people why I'm not coming back to Hillsong or when I'm going to sing on the next United song. Instead of people like you asking genuine questions, you jump to conclusions when you could easily ask, who's trying to influence whom? Why then... Why, when someone is influencing others, does this cause the kind of panic and a truth so strong that it cannot be shaken? I, for one, don't see this kind of shock and horror in the scientific community when a theory is usurped by a new and contradicting theory. He's wrong. Perhaps this is the nature of religion. Say what you will, I have no opinion on you or your life. Then he writes again. Writes again. He's like, he can't even help himself. So he writes again, and he's like, Put me on blast in front of all your followers. Never met you, never spoken to you in my life. I reply to you on your Instagram page. Your response to me? Silence. Someone else repost. Lisa Bevere, I don't know who that is. I reply to her on her page. Her response? Silence. And a like for my comment. Many Christian leaders and influencers, all with a blue tick from Instagram, high-fiving and back-slapping each other. Meanwhile, my DMs are full of Christians telling me they are wrestling with their faith, the same questions, and commending me for being so brave and speaking out and saying what they wish they had the courage to say. All the while, Christian media creates ever more content by writing stories about people losing their faith and doubting, while receiving zero backlash for using their megaphones to broadcast those doubts to their audiences. The doubts of one man destroying so much good work, causing so much pain and anguish, making the lives of faithful Christians so much harder and so much sadder. All this leads me to ask from a sincere heart, what in God's name is happening to Christianity? This is Marty Sampson speaking? Yeah. And then he replaced all of that. So he's like, he's a king of like deleting stuff after he posts it. Uh, so, so like he, he replaced all of that. Like if you want to find any of that stuff on Instagram in his responses to John Cooper, what you'll find is this is all it is. He wrote, he writes, I changed my mind. Love you, bro. Wait, what? Yeah. So that was recent. So wait, how'd you find all this stuff? Had you saved it? Oh yeah, man. I like, I, I, this, all this stuff has been, it's the internet. They, (laughs) they say everything is archived. Oh yeah. Nothing is lost. (laughs) So like relevant or the christian post will say things like he's already deleted these comments but we've 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 eternalized them you know what i mean like they're never going anywhere yeah Mm. and now they're eternalized in the uh, renew the arts podcast yeah which the reason i'm doing this um and the reason i think it's important to do it 
first off, I want I want these words to be heard for what they are. Like I want people to actually hear what these words actually are mm-hmm. and not and and I don't want you to feel I want you all to be able to know whether or not we're representing these ideas properly. Hmm. Because honestly, I have major problems with this whole thing. Like oh, yeah. honestly, like the whole thing, the way the whole thing has gone down, it's not just that it's troubling, it's that none of it has been done in a way that seems productive to anyone like i like is this helpful to marty sampson how it's been handled like no but was it helpful for marty sampson to address all these things in this way probably not i mean i'm looking at his post and he's like i only ever posted about this to explain to people and then he writes four thousand followers on insta i may add which is like you're talking about how you don't need to work these things out with strangers, but what do you think 4,000 followers on Instagram is? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking that's not very many. I, I don't know what, what's a lot of Instagram followers. I'm not really sure, but 4,000 people just flatly is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has 4,000 close friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if it's one of those situations where you're like, I mean, Jesus once spoke to a crowd of four thousand. So. Yeah, but they weren't they weren't close friends, is what I I'm don't saying. Know my point in saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying it wasn't. It, these aren't close friends you're trying to work out your situation with. Uh, these are these are people that barely know you, mm-hmm. and they're. He says, "Do I need this kind of criticism and an honest examination of what I believe from complete strangers?" It's like, well, your followers on Instagram are basically complete strangers, and any idea other than that is is false. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's no way that anything productive is happening from you dropping that bomb on your followers on Instagram. Yeah. Um, no. Well, and he says he's not trying to lead people or, or can like influence them or something, but it's like, well, if, if you're going to mention your Instagram followers and I don't know, like, aren't, aren't you trying to, I don't know why would you post that if you're not trying to influence somebody. I'm not sure and it's like if you want to if you want to present your current state of mind heart to explain to people why you're not coming back to Hillsong or not going to be featured on that why not just say I don't want to sing for Hillsong anymore. Like why is that hard? Cuz that's actually true. Like why not just make a statement saying I'm I'm publicly separating myself from Hillsong? And from United and from all these other projects, because I don't believe I, I I don't believe I can do that with a sincere heart anymore. You know what? You do that, I'm gonna applaud you. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you just said I can't do that from a sincere heart anymore. Right. Yeah. If you're just like I'm I'm not gonna be doing any more work you, with them. Do you think it was wrong for him to air his doubts? Well, I think it was wrong for him to air his doubts this late. Yeah. Like honestly. When I'm looking at, um, but no, I don't think it was wrong for him to air his doubts as an artist. And and that's the other side of this problem, which which is a continuous problem, mm-hmm. is that Marty Sampson's like, I don't feel like I can talk about the doubts that I have. And everybody's like, yes, you can. Shut up. You know? Um, <laughs> where it, it Be just, quiet. It, you be, can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> right. You're totally free to talk about your doubts, but don't talk about them anymore. Um and so that that to me is a real problem. When I read the Psalms, for instance, I'm struck by certain words and phrases like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Sure. That is a terrible thing to say, right? Like if you were to hear a, a praise and worship leader go up there and be like, I'm going to release my new song on you. And the first lines were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Most people are going to be like, dude, this is, this is, this is heavy. Like you've gone off the deep end. Like what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure the, the reality is that any mature Christian has not just a couple of those kinds of moments, but a lot. Like, there, you, you go through those struggles. That's why we have the psalm book and why tons of the psalms are songs of lament and songs of, like, stretching out and, and asking for God to come into your life and not feeling like he's really answering you very quickly. Like, those doubts and those insecurities concerning your relationship with God are very common in the Christian life if your life is real, if your Christian yeah. life is real. Like who hasn't been through some season of doubt? Some, totally. Some Seasons. That, yeah. Plural. Like you have, and, it, and it, it deepens and changes. Like the doubts that I had when I was a teenager are not the doubts that I have now, mm-hmm. but the doubts I have now are more significant. They're yeah. harder. They're, they are more, uh, they have a higher pressure and, a, and greater difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I understand as a person who's studying to be a pastor, you know, while you're struggling through these kinds of things with your relationship with God, being vulnerable and being honest doesn't really seem like the best thing to do to legitimize your position of leadership. Right. But uh, I think that the best thing to do is to air those things while they are in their infancy. And that's what you see David doing. Mm-hmm. David, David doesn't allow these kinds of doubts to fester in his heart while he sings words he doesn't believe for years. Because yeah. that is a recipe for apostasy. Mm-hmm. That is a recipe for your heart becoming hard. And what I think is very problematic in this whole situation is that we're paying praise and worship leaders to do that. We're paying them to sing shallow, feel-good, inspiring, fuzzy garbage that means almost nothing, while we're saying you have two options here. You can either stay a juvenile Christian so that you can continue to sing this trash, or you can mature, not be able to sing this anymore, and be dishonest. But you're not allowed to actually say, you know what, I can't sing these words anymore because I don't believe these words anymore because these words don't represent where I am with God right now because my faith is actually deeper, more particular, and realer than these words can possibly manage. Mm. I, I can't manage saying, you are great, you are great, you are great 20,000 times to God in a row to the backing of three chords, you know, with a major crescendo. Like, it just doesn't do anything for me because that doesn't represent the depths and the complexity of my faith now. So, it's either that, that they mature out of those songs, which they should. Those songs are milk, if they're anything. They should mature out of those songs, and they should be leading everybody else into greater maturity. But if they did, people would reject them. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's just be honest. If they started to address these things in a complex and nuanced way, people would reject that. At least people who bank on them making 
generic pop music that tons and tons of people yeah, will buy. Marketable, marketable music. music. Yeah. So, well, and and this is where I feel like, do you think that positions of particular pressure, where where you feel like you have to be a Christian in mm-hmm. order to keep your job or keep mm-hmm. your status or wherever thing, um, I I received a private message from a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, she was raised as a as a pastor's child, mm-hmm. and she's saying that the that these celebrities that are leaving the church are kind of representing um, a, a larger demographic of of uh, people like her who are uh, you know leaving the church after largely years spending and years and years. most of their early lives uh, in the church and. Almost kind of, I mean, the, the way that she, she put it was almost like coming out as a homosexual, mm-hmm. where there's just this this thing in you this that's just gnawing at you, and you hide it for a very, very long time because you are afraid that, and rightly so. Yeah, it's um, miserable. That when you come out with this information, it's, it's going to mean losing a a lot of friends and damaging a lot of your family relationships. But what would be great is if from the beginning of her doubts, she felt like she was able to talk about them without being shut down. Yeah. But and I, wouldn't, that's... I wouldn't put that on her. And I wouldn't put that on Marty Sampson either. I think that it's a problem in the in the church. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Where... And I mean, you see, just watch, just look at some of the comments from people on Marty Sampson's posts or other people's posts. And you're just like... Wow. Wow, you guys you guys need like seriously, you need to chill out a little bit. And um so that really brings us over to the John Cooper response because the John Cooper response very much resonated, I would say, with people who consider themselves quote the faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of problems with the John Cooper post, but I mean, but I'm going to I'm going to focus on two that I think are really important. For one, he he says that we must stop. This first thing, his, this is his conclusion. So this is like the main thing he wants people to get. He says, we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. And he says in a parenthetical, and yes, that includes people like me, but no one's listening because 40,000 people are sharing this post saying, I, I couldn't have said it better. This is the guy that represents my thoughts. Sure. You know, so it's like if I mean, you're I trying agree to deal with them, though. I mean, I mean I I mean, yeah, you can agree with them. The problem is that he's just feeding the problem. A viral post is not solving the problem of celebrity Christianity. Well, yeah, but I mean, if if we said, you know, we don't think that you should elevate any particular person and you're like, yeah, I agree with this guy. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, share the Renew the Arts podcast with everybody. Well, it's, it's disingenuous is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. because that's not actually what he wants. Because as you continue going through, it's not that he wants you to stop making worship leaders, thought leaders, influencer, cool people, or whatever, the most influential people in Christendom. I think he's more than stopping it. He wants to fix it. Mm-hmm. Because as he continues, he basically says... That the problem is that we've made 20-year-olds who are immature, not deep in their whatever, um, the leaders. Mm-hmm. And and he even has this thing where he talks about, um, this, this one really got me. 
I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends, many who would agree with me in saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotion and feeling. We create a moment and a vehicle for God to speak. However, singers are not always the best people to write solid Bible truth and doctrine. So the idea being like, oh, okay. So your point is that artists do have a lot of influence, but they shouldn't. But the people who should have more influence are are really Joshua Harris, the Joshua Harris's, the truth leaders, <laughs> the thought leaders. Well, not him because he was immature. See, oh, yeah. so yeah. It, it it starts to look like a no true Scotsman kind of fallacy, where it's like there's it, like who are you even talking about that should have influence? If you're saying we shouldn't make any of them influential, but of course they're going to be. But really, that's not even what I'm saying. I'm saying that the ones that are falling, we yeah. don't need to make them influential. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, once they've fallen, it's really easy to say we shouldn't have made them influential. But before they've fallen, like you, John Cooper, should we be like, John Cooper is one of these emotional leaders. He's one of these influencers. So we shouldn't even listen to him. It's like, well, no, you can't even help that. That's not That's not even the point of his post. The point of his post actually is not to stop people from like making celebrity Christians. Mm-hmm. It's to switch out one kind of celebrity for another, right? Which mm-hmm. is not helpful, actually. It's just like it sounds t- really good. Though. It sounds good, but it's like trade out your emotion leaders for your thought leaders. And, but like you said, it's like, well, Josh Harris is not an emotion leader; he's a thought leader. Yeah. And it's like, well, not him because he fell. You know? It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, great. How do we guard? How do we guard that? against that? You can't. Yeah. And so the real trick, I think, which he doesn't even discuss, is there actually needs to be a reinvestment in the local church, mm-hmm. Lo- and this would solve a lot of problems, like quit your Facebook warrioring stuff and actually get involved in the local problems and local issues of your local church. If local leaders were accountable to their congregations and congregations were accountable to their leaders and there was actually a thriving community of people holding each other accountable and working on practical solutions for local problems, well, then you probably wouldn't even care Mm -hmm. whether or not celebrity Christians were falling. Because you'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, they were helpful, but that's not actually where I most see Jesus and where I'm most in communion with the truth. I'm most in communion with Christianity in my local body. Mm -hmm. And like, I've got a a thriving community of people who are all living together, working together, doing things together, living, you know, their lives together, getting to know each other's kids, helping to raise each other's kids, helping to sort through each other's doubts – you know, and actually producing a community of beauty that is a beacon of light to its local area and doesn't worry about solving these national problems. Because that's the other thing. The post is called, what is wrong in Christianity? As if Josh Harris and Marty Sampson falling from the faith somehow or another jeopardizes Christianity at, at large. So I just want to interrupt us for just a second so that we can thank some of our newest Patreon supporters. I want to thank personally Barbie Everett and Rafael De La Vega for supporting us on Patreon. We really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Without your support, we would not be able literally to do this podcast. Well, we we would do it. Um, We would continue to do the work that we... But we are so thankful for uh, these these donations of our Patreon subscribers and um, 
Well, we yeah. do need to eat. Yeah, we need. We do need. Yeah. It, it is. It is necessary that me and my wife and my five starving children have food. <laughs> <laughs> Just mess um, with me. Yeah, All right. We we survive on uh, on very generous uh, patronage. Uh, yes. Okay. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, it's really easy. It starts at a dollar a month. That's like twenty five cents a podcast episode. And uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts and find out about it there. And one uh, of the major perks is that we have extended conversations to our Patreon subscribers. So if you are interested in having a little bit more um, from our interviews and from our podcast uh, topics like this, uh, we'll have extended conversations yeah. available for Patreon subscribers. So... So get on that. I have a major issue with him acting like that Christianity at large is in crisis merely because a couple of people in Western Christianity have fallen from the faith, perhaps, uh, even though their lives aren't over and who knows where they're going to be headed. Um, God may not be done with them, you know. Um, but like, I, I'm sure that Chinese Christians don't really care what's going on with Marty Sampson. And no. and right now, Chinese Christianity is probably one of the better things happening in Christianity. So mm -hmm. if you want to say, like, what's happening in Christianity, maybe go to China and ask them because they're probably going to be able to give you a better answer than <laughs> Marty Sampson. represent more Christians. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. um, but aside from all of that, um, the second issue th that I have, which he intimates from the beginning with the idea that artists are good at communicating emotion and feeling, but they're not necessarily the best people to write solid Bible truth. There's an implication and an assumption, which he makes more explicit later when he says, uh, we need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotions. So a person might be okay with that because the, because the word truth is actually being equivocated. Mm. Um, Oftentimes, when people say the word truth, they don't mean that word in a biblical sense, which is hilarious because most of the time they're talking about biblical truth. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, they actually mean intellectual ideas, correct ideas, correct intellectual ideas, um, which is not the truth, actually. Mm. That, that That's part of the truth, for sure. We yeah. should have c correct intellectual ideas, but if I remember correctly... You know, like knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Mm -hmm. Knowledge makes arrogant. So, so knowledge, even though there can be, there can't be love without knowledge. There can be knowledge without love. Mm -hmm. And knowledge without love is not of the truth. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is knowledge yeah. without love is not the truth. Right. And when you start saying we need, because if I put it in different terms, you'll start to understand the effect of Cooper's words, even if his, his words might even on their own terms be acceptable. A lot of these people who are posting these things afterwards, uh, you know what I mean? Like this, this is really what they're taking from this, I think, all right, is we need to value the intellect over the feelings, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Right. So so we need to value facts over emotions. Like truth has taken on this 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 almost exclusively intellectual quality. Now, that is really wrong. Mm. It's actually really really wrong. It's deeply unbiblical. 
Um, and I'm just going to tell you a story to express how unbiblical it is. So, when David's on the run from Saul, um, and Saul is like trying to kill him, David shows up at Shiloh and he meets with Ahimelech the priest. And he doesn't let Ahimelech the priest know that he's a fugitive from Saul at that point. He, he just says, hey, uh, Ahimelech, can you help me out? And Ahimelech's like, anything for a servant of Saul, you know. And so, he gives him the showbread and he also gives him the sword of Goliath, which was stored there. Yeah. And um, so, David uh, receives this help from Ahimelech and David noticed that nearby uh, there's this guy, Doeg, the Edomite who's the chief shepherd of Saul, who's hanging out with the sheep and kind of sees the whole thing go down and David kind of locks it away in his head like that's going to be a problem later. So Doeg later on, after he's been rallied together by Saul as one of Saul's men, Saul's just raging against all of his men. He's just like, you guys are not letting me know where David is because you're all loyal to David, really. And I know it's the truth because no one, none of you are giving me any information about David. So Doeg comes out and he's like, actually, I've got information about David. I saw Ahimelech giving him the sword of Goliath and food for him and his men. And he even inquired of the Lord for him and then sent him on his way. Okay, so, so at that point, has Doeg said anything that is not factual? No. He didn't. Like, you read the story and you can read through Doeg's words as much as you want mm-hmm. and you'll never find anything that isn't quote-unquote true in an intellectual sense, in a factual sense. But you go and you read Psalm 52, which David wrote concerning Doeg, the Edomite. And Psalm 52, I think verse 3 says explicitly, you love falsehood more than speaking what is right. Concerning Doeg. Concerning Doeg. Yeah. That David is condemning Doeg as a person who is deceitful, whose mouth loves deceit, and who is a man who loves falsehood more than speaking what is right. But I imagine Doeg, like so many of the people in all of this whole reform circles, could come back and just be like, well, is anything I said wrong? Yeah. Is anything I said untrue? What about it wasn't factual? You know, and, and so it's like, well, no, the, the content of what you're saying is not the only important part of it. And it doesn't fully embrace the whole truth. The intent and the consequences of what you're saying also is part of the truth. And so, to say that there can be even a divorcing of feelings and truth... Uh, or, or really that, that somehow the intellectual concept or the intellectual apprehension of uh, true ideas or doctrine should supersede or overcome feelings, should be placed above feelings, that is very problematic. And one of the reasons it's problematic is because sometimes your idea of, of the intellectual doctrine, like your idea of doctrine, is disordered mm-hmm. and your affections aren't. So, so, there are times when your emotions are crying out to you saying, don't do this thing that you're doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, think about people who are involved. I mean, this is maybe a little bit of an extreme example, but it exists. People who are convinced that as husbands, they need to uh, discipline their wives physically with corporal discipline. These people exist in the world. They really do. Like Muslims? 
Well, uh, no, like there's actually like fundamentalist Christians who believe this. Really? Yeah, they believe in like domestic discipline. I mean, I guess I could tell you to look it up, but I wouldn't. This is some pretty weird stuff. Don't um, let that be in your search yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but but these like let's say a man is in the process of of actually abusing his wife, but he thinks that it's in accordance with the doctrine of Scripture, or oh, maybe or, or maybe okay. he's maybe he's abusing his children. And he thinks that's in accordance with the doctrine of Scripture, okay. right? And yeah. then, but but maybe there are actual feelings inside of him, emotions, right? That that revolt against that. That say, you know, this isn't right. This is not a good thing. What you're doing is not good. You should stop. You should reassess. You should go back. You should check it again. Now, in that case, if that's going on and his emotions are revolting against what he thinks is right doctrine, I think he should place his feelings over his quote-unquote truth. Now, it's not the truth. That's the problem. Because the truth encompasses the whole person. Yeah. So it there's actually but you an, think intellectually that he should put his emotions <laughs> or you know what I mean like No, it? I feel that way too yeah. because the fact is that I have felt throughout a lot of my life the abusive consequences when people put the intellect over feelings and devalue the feelings because when you devalue feelings when you put feelings below and say the intellect is the primary the most important always yeah. you don't just do that for yourself that affects the church. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is people who lead with their intellects, who are quote unquote intellectuals, end up having, oh, let's see, places of celebrity prominence. Yeah. Or you go to a different church, like say a Pentecostal church, where the emotions are the lead faculty, and those people end up being placed, those people who lead with their emotions end up being placed in the exclusive position of leadership or, or influence. And what I'm saying is it's not a matter of, okay, so let's take these people who are intellectually gifted and place them over everybody else, or a different church environment, let's take these people who are emotionally gifted and place them over everybody else. What I'm saying is that the scriptures, the Bible, the biblical idea of truth actually provides an avenue for the joining together of those things in mutual submission. So, what, is, what would be better would be, rather than saying emotional people, you just keep emoting and you create a, a vague, completely contentless and truthless background for the presentation of the truth, which is basically what John Cooper is saying. Yeah, we just set the mood. We set the mood and then they deliver the truth, right? Why not actually encourage and maybe even require your artists to have greater depth? Not just of emotion, but also content in the emotions and content in it of truth. I mean, I, I think about like, in what circumstance in the scriptural account do you see artists just setting the mood? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I mean, you're you're looking at you're like the Psalms. Yeah, I had a friend tell me one time. He's like, I, I invited him to church, and and he was sitting there during the worship service. The 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 music part that mm -hmm. they call the worship service. And mm -hmm. and he's like, dude, they're they're just hypnotizing people. Right. You know, it's just hypnotic. Right. And I was like And it's it's so vague <laughs> kind of that it's actually able to receive any spirit. That mm -hmm. and that's part of the problem is like if if you just have a good feeling, but there's no content attached to it, right? It's not joined together with some content, with some specific content that good feeling could largely be employed in anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could be employed in anything. 
So, like, you can't divorce knowledge from feeling for both reasons, you know, because both the knowledge will suffer and the feeling will suffer. Well, sort of speaking of that, uh, do you do you remember when they, they released that AI to, was it Twitter? It was... And and they they wanted to see what the AI would post, and they yeah. it, it did a bunch of scanning of different things, right? And it eventually just became like a horrible racist. <laughs> yeah, because that. there's no feeling behind it. It's just this is these are the kinds of things that uh, get inputs, yeah. and without any feeling, we just you know devolve into right, uh, you know, a, a really cold and heartless. Well, yeah, uh, information I information mean, machine. Look at look at the people who are posting John Cooper's stuff, you know, absolutely positively with with no with no thought. Generally speaking, they're in communities that very much value the Bible, mm-hmm. but and that's great. But part of the problem with these communities is they tend to produce leaders that are famous for being jerks. Mm. They and and it's like, dude, if you have a community that loves the Bible. And is known for cherishing the Bible, but it's producing leaders that are also like regularly characterized as arrogant jerks. That is very problematic. And part of the, again, it's the issue is because what you're doing is you're saying if the intellect is primary, which is what most people mean when they say the truth is primary, if the intellect is primary, then that means that the intellectuals are primary within the church. I, we don't even know what to do with all these emotional people. Like you just got, you guys need to either kill your emotions or at least just resolve yourselves to not be useful. Right. At least stay on the side. And you know, if it, we might bring you up to bring some emotional adornment to our truth bombs occasionally, but like we're certainly not going to give you guys any responsibility to actually give us your personal experience on the truth because that's unstable and who knows where that's going to go. And I think that's how people treat artists within the church, generally speaking, because most artists don't lead with their intellects. Mm-hmm. Most artists do lead with their emotions, but that doesn't mean their emotions have to remain vague, shallow, and juvenile. Right. The emotions are just as susceptible to the influence of the truth as the intellect is. I would say the truth has to be over the intellect as much as truth has to be over feeling. You can't you can't act as if truth over feeling is somehow going to save you from these problems. Because if you read Samson's post, hello, that's all he's concerned with is truth. I want genuine truth. Yeah. I want I want the you know so in his mind it's just he has a different intellectual standpoint on what he considers truth. Right. But part of the reason why he's taken that intellectual journey is because his emotions have not been developed and matured enough to actually hold together the truths that God gives him in the scriptures. Hmm. But in actuality mature emotions are necessary for the maintenance of truth. Yeah. And the more compl- complicated and nuanced the, 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 the intellectual content becomes, the more complicated and nuanced the emotional content also has to come become in order to support one another. And in any community where you have a gross imbalance of one faculty over the other, you're going to have abuses. And so, if you're in a, it, it, and, and you can see it in most church communities, especially within the Protestant church in the West, you can see that there are, there, I mean, you, you could say, like, I can just go over through the list. Like, the reform community, it clearly weighed, weighted toward mm-hmm. the intellect. Sure. 
the Pentecostal community is clearly weighted toward the emotions. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Roman Catholic slash Anglican slash uh, fundamentalist Baptist, hilariously, uh, community is clearly weighted toward the will, toward rules and mm-hmm. liturgy. And so, the when you're talking about all three of those things, those are the three faculties of a human being. Right. And when you look at Jesus and you consider Jesus, Jesus is the whole revelation of all three of those faculties in perfect harmony and in perfect submission to God. So, like, think about it, prophet, priest, and king. Hmm. Right there as prophet, priest, and king, which John Cooper even mentions, but he doesn't seem to understand that as a prophet, Jesus is is a master of the mind. Hmm. As a priest, he is a master of the heart. As a king, he is a master of the will. That in all three cases, Jesus is providing an example into which all of us as Christians can conform and in the fear of whom all of us can submit to one another. Right. So that if I look at another person and they're led by the emotions, my response should not be, you should be more like me. Mm -hmm. You should rule over your emotions with your intellect because that's what I do. Right. That's not actually the answer. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's 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 more. You should become a deeper, more mature feeler. Right. <laughs> you should become a person who <laughs> feels more deeply and yeah. more maturely, and and it's because of stuff like this where you you say things like this. Oh, you're really good at emotions, but like that's not actually that important. And I know you're not going to be offended by me because you're my friends. You know, it's like they might be offended. Actually, John Cooper, they might be offended by the fact that in a lot of church environments and mm-hmm. especially in the reform community, they feel discarded. Yeah. Um, I have experienced that in my life. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it. I haven't experienced it. I've seen it. I've seen the way that that will-oriented and emotion-oriented people especially are treated in the Reformed Church. And I actually think one of the major reasons the Reformed Church poops on all of its artists so heavily and so thoroughly and so consistently is because of their primacy of the intellect problem. And it's it's such a major issue for me and such an abusive issue and it's it's actually in many ways unconsciously abusive a lot of people are being abusive to others without realizing they're being abusive because they're just not valuing people like right. they should be valued and it's no wonder why artists feel like they're on the fringes of the church in those terms, where it's like the only thing you're allowed to do here is present present a shallow emotional background. Yeah, but set the a, mood. Set the then... mood. But as soon as you start actually revealing the deeper emotions that are going on within the turmoil of your heart, whoa, yeah, whoa, buddy, no one can handle that. Get out of here with that. Go back to doing the safe stuff that we're all comfortable with because in actuality, we're all emotionally immature. (laughs) Well, what's interesting to me is that, um, you know, we, you know, in your article, you mentioned uh, Joshua Harris. um, I, like I said, was much more affected by hearing the news that he had apostatized. Am I saying that right? Apostatized? Mm -hmm. Whatever. he is the kind of person that would be an intellectual. He's uh, not setting the mood. I don't know how uh, John Cooper would say we should guard against, um, you know, idolizing men like that. Um, but we had a conversation earlier today where I was thinking, you know, the risk and reward 
of elevating the arts in your community over against a a, a thought leader um, is is actually a lot uh, less risky and more rewarding. Yeah. Um, that that. I wouldn't be able to tell you how much Marty Sampson's music has really affected me and mm-hmm. the news that he's left the church. I mean, I didn't even know his name before. Right. You know, I, I, I mean, I might know some of his certainly songs. certainly not attaching his influence to his name to the same degree. Right. But with Joshua Harris leaving the church, it's like, well, I've got a few books I can throw away now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm going to have to sort out how much of my worldview he's affected and decide whether or not I'm going to continue believing after his teaching. Right. And, and, and so, and a lot of the things that he said, that's the problem is a lot of them are not wrong from an intellectual standpoint. Right. And th- but it almost seems like it would be better to not elevate the Joshua Harris's of the world um, and their intellectualisms and their 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 thoughts, um, because when they fall, they take a lot more people with them. I think mm-hmm. than when somebody like Marty Sampson falls, and it's like, well, it's discouraging. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people Marty Sampson is going to take with him. You know, right? So what I think could happen, and what I think should happen, is manifold for one. There needs to be a local commitment to the local church. That would solve a lot of the celebrity Christian problems. In fact, it's hilarious. I think the celebrity Christian problem would be solved when people stopped trying to solve the celebrity Christian problem. Don't even worry about celebrity Christians. Worry about your heart, your home, your church, your local church. But aside from that, another and additional thing that I think really should be done is that artists need to have a place of leadership. Not just to be an emotional backdrop, but to actually present biblical truth because artists have had a long-term responsibility both in the Old and New Testament to present the truth. You know, if you go and you read Paul, because people are like, well, that's an Old Testament thing. But if you go and read Paul, when Paul starts to really drop into his most... uh, glorious elegies on the truth and doctrine, he almost always drops into poetry. All of Almost all of Paul's most doctrinally oriented, I mean, look at like uh, Philippians 2, the whole thing about uh, Jesus who, who, who came down and did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he, that whole entire passage is, is, is usually put in poetry because it actually, they think, probably came from a praise and worship song hmm. that the like first century Christians sang and knew so well that Paul knew they would knew it, that they would know it. Huh. And so, he just recites it knowing they would know it because that's the best way for him to express these profound truths. And I think that it would help if there was actually a structure for that within churches where there was accountability and leadership. Um, but for, for now, that's not really happening. And that's one of the reasons why Renew the Arts exists as it does. Um, and we have produced, I think, a, a, a really wonderful community where artists feel very comfortable uh, yeah. 
in mutual accountability to one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, a really wonderful story about that. Are we talking about Ryan? Yeah. Cool. So a wonderful story about that. Um, I got... <clears throat> yeah, because I've, I think uh, maybe <coughs> some people are saying in their minds, okay, so how how do we make this work how where where are you finding artists uh expressing their doubts in their music in their art in a productive in a healthy way. way that you know keeps them and their audiences from apostatizing right so you can't keep anybody from apostatizing and that's well, maybe the one thing that, that might be helpful in that, in that as well freedom is necessary mm-hmm. freedom is necessary there needs to be freedom. If you're coerced into believing Christianity, you're not a Christian. Yeah. So, like, that's well, just the truth. That's actually the truth. You can't coerce a single person into believing Christianity. Like, it's just really fundamentally, would you rather a person deal with all of these things that they're dealing with, all these struggles that they have within the church or outside the church? I mean, that's really what we're, that's, that's really bottom line. What the question is, is would, if a person is struggling with these things, do you want them to be able to stay in the church and struggle with them? Or would you rather boot them out? Now, uh, some people might say, I'd rather boot them out because maybe in their struggles, they pull other people into this. But, you know, I agree with Marty Samson. It's like, if you guys actually believe this is the unshakable truth and you actually do, what are you so afraid of? What are you yeah. so afraid of? So anyway, this is get back to the Ryan Lane story because there's there's freedom. I mean, if you look at, yeah. at our, our our mission statement is liberate Christian creativity, and I'm sure that's really scary to some people because like, what does that look like if people want to come in and 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 air their doubts? Like, you guys just allow them to do that? Like, that could be troubling. But here's what's great: when you allow that kind of freedom, generally speaking, it's respected. Volunteerism works. Yeah. People appreciate being given a freedom and a choice, and most of the time, they're cool. Anyway, so the freedom that we've given has, has been responded to really well by our artists. Ryan Lane sent Justice and I an email before his last record came out, which is The Way Back Home from Civilized Creature. So Ryan Lane is the singer-songwriter producer behind Civilized Creature. And he wrote us this email, and he said... Um, I, and I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to tell you what he said because I don't have it in front of me. But he basically said, I have this song and I wrote it when I was in a time of like extraordinary doubting and really struggling with my faith and wondering whether or not all of this was a lie and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he said, and I don't know if I should put it on the record because I don't want the feelings that I had at that time to encourage other people to fall away or to, to, tr- to distrust something that they're not distrusting, to have doubts that they are not otherwise having, you know? And, and he put a, he had made the song, so he'd already written it and recorded it. And so he attached it to the email and was just like, I want you both, you know, to, to tell me. He's basically giving us the authority to say whether or not this song's going to be on his next record. And uh, it's called Valley, and it's on his next record. So, I mean, like, we, Justice and I both listened to it, and Justice and I are kind of 
you know, texting back and forth to each other kind of thing where we're just like, this song is awesome, dude. I don't know what Ryan's talking about. <laughs> like, I have no problems whatsoever with it. But I understand what he's saying and I understand his concern. I respect his concern, but you see how the freedom of our community actually created a scenario where he felt comfortable working mm-hmm. through these things. Yeah. Right? So, like, he, he'll text me and I text him, you know, here are things, do you need anything for me to pray about? Is there anything going on in your life? Are you okay? Are you doing all right? You know, and um, how, how is your community? How's your wife? How are your kids? And uh, and so, so anyway, the song is, is really great. And it is a an it is him airing his specific doubts of sorts, and it really doesn't resolve lyrically. Hmm. Um, I'm going to read you the lyrics. We're going to play the song at the end of this podcast, so I'm going to read you the lyrics and and talk a little bit about it. Um, our listeners will know "Civilized Creature" from our uh, intro music from all right. Uh, Every single one of our episodes every every single one of our podcasts has had Ryan Lane's production scripted. on it. Yeah, Ryan Lane has been really generous with us. I mean, he it, the thing the thing is that he's he is a very sensitive person, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that he has a lot of like very overwhelming emotional experiences. And in some ways, this song is a representation, a, a sonic representation of one of those experiences. Um, and it doesn't just represent it or illustrate it, it also evokes it. Um, so here are the lyrics, if <clears> he's <throat> speaking to God. If your voice could calm the storm on the sea, could you still the one in me? If you spoke the starry host into space, could you pull me from this place? Well, I know that I need you, need you right here more than I've ever known till now. Because what I know of knowing you, this moment's not enough to bail me out. If the words that all my life were taught to me of who you're meant to be lose the light that they once shone, could you send new sight to see again? Well, I know I, I need you, need you right here more than I've ever known till now. Because what I know of knowing you, this moment's not enough to bail me out. Please, please. I need you here like I've never known I need you before. Please, please. I need you here like I've never known I need you before. And um, so after that, there's this like very soul-splitting, harrowing instrumental section. And that's how the song basically ends. It's unclear whether or not it is the chaos turbulence and turmoil of doubts and that that struggle or if it's actually a overwhelming and awesome god entering into your experience because that's what's kind of crazy is when god enters into your experience it's not it 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 does dispel your doubts, but it also is, in some ways, I would say, a not pleasant experience. Mm. Um, like, it can be an emotionally uh, overwhelming experience. I mean, you read Deuteronomy 5, and after um, 
Moses recounts the Ten Commandments, he talks about the experience that the people had hearing the Ten Commandments first spoken to them by God from the mountain. And he says, when you heard the sound of God's voice speaking the commandments, you came to me and you said, let us never hear that again. And so the people of Israel actually asked Moses. I mean, you can read in Deuteronomy 5 because Moses recounts it to them, that basically saying, I'm the legitimate mediator because you made me the legitimate mediator because you guys didn't ever want to be in that presence again because you thought it was going to destroy you, hmm. right? So, like, when you hear at the end of the song by, by Civilized Creature, you sort of have that feeling where it's like, is this the destructive, chaotic, overwhelming presence of God's sort of like wrathfulness and oh, just nice. fieriness coming into this circumstance? Or is it the absence of God's presence tearing you apart inside and just the sinking despair uh-huh. overwhelming yeah. you? And it's unclear whether it's one or the other. But it's like a really emotional it's very, thing. Like if, I mean, when you guys listen to it, just... Just close your eyes and just... Get your headphones, get in the dark space and listen to it. Just imagine your your seasons of doubt expressed in music and uh, and while you're listening to it, just... Yeah. Because it's it's good. So, uh, I'm going to let you listen to it actually right now. And then I'm going to talk about something else right after it because... I almost feel like I've already spoiled it a little bit. But, oh. But I don't think I did yet. Okay. So just go ahead and listen to the song. I'm going to play it right now. Listen through the song, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it right after. Is it going to be for our Patreon subscribers? Because we're at a, an hour and a half right now. <laughs> we're going to be editing so, some of this uh, out. This is, this is Civilized Creature Valley. Yeah, off of the way back home. If you're interested in our uh, explanation of the rest of this song, hop on over to Patreon mm-hmm. and listen to the extended conversation. Um, it, it just costs $1 a month uh, to help keep us uh, keep the lights on in here. Yeah. And, um, and it just means a lot to us that you guys are listening. And Yeah. Um, Maybe we can get some AC out. in here eventually. Yeah. It's a little warm. I'm sweaty. (laughs) All right, so here's uh, Valley by Civilized Creature. If your voice could calm the storm on the sea, could you still love one? Pull me from this place 
my life Would talk to me Of who Moments. Time. 